Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Issues 2017. I'm Steve McIntosh. And our guest is Sarah Adams, Museum Director, Mid-America All Indian Center. Welcome to Issues 2017. Thanks for having me. Good to have you back again. It's been a few months since we talked. Yeah. Uh, what is it? For those of us, uh, those of us out there who don't know, what is the location for the Mid-America All Indian Center? How can they find you? We are at 650 North Seneca, um, and if you can't find it that way, we're at the confluence of the Big and Little Arkansas. Actually, if you just look for the for the Keeper of the Plains, <laughs> yeah, look for right? the Keeper, and we're nearby. Right there at the confluence <laughs> of the two rivers, pretty yeah. easy to find. Now, when did the uh, when did the uh, uh, center open? We uh, were incorporated in 1969. The building wasn't opened until I think it was 75 or 76. Um, but the organization had been around for quite a while before that. Where did, where did they meet? Did they have a physical place? Or? They had a place on Central. Um, I don't know too much about that, okay. but it was kind of an informal place until they got the new one built. So you're saying that was a little before your time then? <laughs> a little. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, can you know any of the leaders who were the people who in creating the center? Well, Black Bear Boson was one of Black them. Black Bear, yeah. very well known to many of us who are. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, and he was the one who really pushed for there to be a museum there. So um, I'm very thankful to him today because that's why I have a job. Well, uh, but, you know, Jay Hunter was one of the big names, too. He's the one um, that started the the uh, social services side. And Hunter Health, obviously, is named for that family. And Black Bear, for those of you who don't know, if you look at the Keeper of the Plains, that gigantic statue out there, he's the guy or the man who uh, who sculpted that. And he was an artist more, more than I think he was more for painting, wasn't he? He was, yeah. It's you know people see the keeper and they think, oh, he must have been a sculptor. And actually, he he designed the keeper, and then he had other people build it because he didn't he didn't work with that sort of material. Uh, he by and large was a painter, and he also did a lot of um, drawings and things like that. But yeah, two D was his uh, preference. He actually lived in my neighborhood, and uh, he got to know my son oh, when, cool. when when Scott was little, uh, and uh, he got to know Black Bear. So. Yeah, that was back in the early seventies. How many uh, how many visitors do you see in a year at the center? Oh, you know, I don't know if I could give you an exact number off the top of my oh, head. Okay, uh, but you know, we get a lot of people, and we get people from you know not just in town, but we get people from all over the country, and we get people from out of the country too. I get a lot of foreign visitors as well that are very interested in American Indians, so it's really cool. Well, and and what do they say after they've come to the center and, and looked it over? You know, a lot of people are very surprised by what they find. Um, they're coming expecting to see things from um, the 19th century and before, and that's not what they find. And a lot of people are very surprised that we have a very active American Indian community in Wichita today. And they they feel like they learn a lot because it's not something they would have heard in school, maybe, or something like that. It's a little different than if, if you talk about a museum. You're talking, about, oh, you walk in here and here's a display here and here's an exhibit there and, and you walk through and all that. It's, it's a lot more going on then. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. So we have our museum part, you know, with all the exhibits, but we, we have a lot of programs throughout the year as well. Do uh, schools bring students to the center for field trips? Oh, yeah, especially this month in October. Uh, a lot of the fifth graders are learning about American Indians in school. So we have been 
loaded with tours. It has been a lot of fun and a lot of work. <laughs> well, I mean, you talk about people coming from, from different places, uh, uh, other countries, well, mm-hmm. like can you give me an example of what other countries you've seen down Well, there? this week we've had people in from England and Australia, but I've had people from Germany, Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's been all over the world. So when they come in, uh, do they say, well, we want to know about the about the American West, and yeah. they go over to Cowtown and see you Oh, too? yeah, for sure. They love Cowtown, too. But they come and they, they think they have a perception of what they think American Indians are like, mm-hmm. and then uh, they get a different perspective, which I think a lot of them value a lot. Uh, and also, how about uh, bus tours? You get people like that coming in? Yeah, you know, we we have kind of a confusing little um, parking lot in our main parking lot, but we have um, across the street we have parking too. Um, so people do, I mean, the school tours bring buses, and then um, occasionally we get um, elders groups coming in, you know, that are traveling across country too. Okay, let's talk about local Native American history, okay? Yep. Wichita is an, an, an Indian name, is it not? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about it. You know, um, so we've had, you know, American Indians through this area for for mm-hmm. as long as there have been people around. Um, you know, Plains years. Indians yeah. came through here. Um, we still have four reservations here today. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know that I can name all of them, but they're mostly up in the northeast part of the state. Um, and then in Wichita, the community we have here is not necessarily people that um, would have been here historically, but... Um, a lot of our American Indian community stemmed from people who originally went to the government boarding schools in the mid-20th century, and they started learning trades there, and a lot of people learned trades that were applicable to um, the airline uh, industry, aircraft industry. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them um, came up during the mid-20th century to come work at um, different aircraft places like Boeing and Cessna and all those different places, and um, that's how our community here was formed today. And that, that equals more than 70 different tribes here today. 70 different tribes. Oh, yeah. I mean, Just in Wichita. Is there a dominant uh, tribe? Uh, mostly Plains Indians because we get a lot of people from Oklahoma. So we get a lot of Southern Plains Indians up here. Like um, we have a lot of Kiowa people, um, have a lot of Cherokee people as well. And we have um, Northern Plains. We have a lot of the uh, Sioux people like the Lakota Sioux, Oglala Sioux um, coming down as well. I would think that uh, most people with a casual understanding of the American West and uh, the movement uh, from the East to the West Coast of the, quote, pioneers, most people have the, the uh, all they know about is maybe uh, the, the uh, Custer uh, battle in uh, South, or in Montana. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they didn't know nothing more about it. Oh, yeah. You know, they have a, a lot of people have a cursory knowledge of, of that period of time with American Indians, but... We get a lot of people coming in, and they want to hear more about that struggle between, uh, you know, European settlers and American Indians. And for us, we don't always like to talk about it because it's a really sore part of history. You know, and it still is after all these years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it totally is. That I'm, I'm not an American Indian, but I have read a lot about it and studied it. And uh, I'll tell you what, it, it was a complicated thing. I don't think the United States of America, this fledgling country— had any clue how to deal with the people who were already here, and they just they just kind of muddled their way through it. Yeah, and they they didn't do it exactly the right it. way either. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're even you know I mentioned the boarding schools too. I mean that's that's up to there are still boarding schools. I think there's still a few open today, but for the most part they died out by the the two thousands. 
but I mean, those were still going on. And one of the guys who founded the boarding schools, um, he founded the Carlisle boarding school where Jim Thorpe actually went. And I actually um, saw the, uh, the movie was on TV this oh, past cool. weekend, so yeah, I saw he, Carlisle. I was going to mention. He had that. actually said. Uh, kill the Indian and save the man. Um, so even at that point in time, they were wanting to get rid of cultural heritage, not necessarily you know, getting rid of American Indians altogether, but still their cultural heritage. So we're still trying to fix those mistakes today. Well, many of the tribes were quite nomadic, uh, and they relied on the buffalo, and they moved constantly. Oh, yeah. And then the government comes in and says, oh, can't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to go a certain place and live in a certain place. You know, it's it's kind of funny you mention that because we have an exhibit up right now called Food Traditions. And you wouldn't think that maybe food has a lot to do with it, but food really does. Um, when people were being put onto reservations and they're not able to be nomadic anymore, I mean, they used to follow the buffalo everywhere. You you couldn't really do those sorts of things, so they couldn't. They couldn't get their normal food sources, so government started handing them um, rations, you right. know, and they would get things like lard and flour. And today, some of our foods that we think are traditional American Indian foods come out of that, like fry bread. Everybody loves fry bread. Everybody loves Indian tacos. Um, and those stem from government rationing. They're not traditional foods. <laughs> well, what are the traditional foods? Uh, you know, if, you're, we're, if we're talking about with uh, <laughs> bread and things like that, you know, we didn't, we didn't have wheat here. So um, you're making breads out of corn and, and um, sometimes even uh, nuts and things like that. But um, so... Fry bread is considered what I would call a new traditional food now. All right. I want to talk a little bit more about Black Bear Bosun and the Keeper of the Plains. Can you tell me a little bit more about him? So he was born in 1921 uh, near Cement, Oklahoma. Um, Where? Cement? Yep. Okay. Don't know this place. (laughs) Probably some just little town in Oklahoma. Obviously, Um, yeah. And he, uh, he was actually born in a teepee, which wasn't to say that they lived in a teepee, but it was tradition still at that time for the firstborn to be born in a teepee. So he was born in a teepee. Um, he grew up pretty dirt poor. Um, they, they had dirt floors in their house, um, you know, and he, he went to a Roman Catholic boarding school, and that's where he really started to get into art. Um, he even, when he was a teenager, would peddle art door-to-door to, door to door and try to make a little bit of money because, you know, they lived on the reservation, so they mm-hmm. didn't have any money. And um, he moved to Wichita, trying to remember what year that was, but he, he lived in Wichita for most of his life. Um, he was a draftsman here. Um, and He, he had that uh, dexterity, that art. He, could, he did. He could draw. And he I could... think that probably helped a lot. He learned drafting when he was at boarding school, and then, um, you know, that's why he came to work up here. But um, he that's where he learned a lot of, his precision that he had in his art and uh, I think had a lot to do with his skill level as well. There's a lot of detail in his art, isn't there? There and is. good colors. He do, he's very um, purposeful with everything in his art. Uh, every line, every color is very purposeful. And it's something that I love about his art. Do you, uh, at the center, do you celebrate uh, uh, Indian craft work, uh, bead work, things like that? Oh, yeah, totally. We have, um, in a couple different ways, we like to showcase that. Of course, we show a lot of it in our uh, museum. Just recently, I just closed an exhibit about Cherokee baskets from two local women, um, one who's passed away, Margaret Redfern, and then one who's still an active uh, artist in our community, Marilyn Kinsvater. Um, and she actually is one of the people that also consigns in my gift shop. I have around 50 artists that I have in my gift shop, so people can come get all sorts of different types of American Indian craft and art. 
We also are, offer classes um, throughout the year. We have all sorts of classes, a lot coming up, uh, making ornaments, uh, like dream catcher ornaments, um, beaded ornaments, clay. There's all sorts of different things. If you're interested in learning how to do any of these American Indian crafts, like there's a lot of opportunity. So, so you do have a gift shop then? Yeah, we do. And people can mm-hmm. find some really unique uh, things in there. Then. Yeah, and, you know, I tell everybody who comes in, um, not everybody is maybe card-carrying American Indian, but every artist that I have is local and everything is handmade. So any jewelry you pick up, you can be guaranteed that we're not shipping it in from China or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. good. <laughs> what are the uh, hours at the museum? We're open Tuesdays through Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Tuesdays through Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 4. Yep. Uh, now, now, let's talk about a little bit about some of your current and, and recent exhibits. I think you right. mentioned one or two, but can you tell some more? Yeah. Um, one I mentioned was Food Traditions. Food I like, Traditions. I like to talk yeah. about it a lot. It's one of my favorite exhibits I've done. Um, I've always been very interested in how food and culture interact. But this one is particularly fun because we've done a lot of hands-on things with this exhibit. You can... Uh, try out a mealing stone or a mano imitate to grind corn. Uh, we don't actually have the corn out there, but you can see what the process was like. Um, and we have what I call my smell-o-vision uh, interactive, where you can smell different scents and see if you can guess what food it was. And oh. they're all foods that were traditionally um, domesticated in America. So three-fourths of the food that we eat today originally started growing in America, mm. uh, which is amazing. And, of course, one of those biggest ones is corn. Uh, we eat corn in everything today. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a really interesting exhibit that kind of examines those things and examines regional um, differences and how American Indians ate food. Because, you know, a lot of people think of American Indian food being just corns, beans, and squash, which is true, but also the coastal people didn't eat that. The coastal people ate a lot of fish, yeah. you know, and people don't think of that as being traditional. But it's pretty cool. And... Uh, some of our other exhibits, of course, we have our Black Bear Boson exhibit. We have that up all the time. Um, it's our only permanent exhibit uh, because we think it's that important to leave up. And I have an exhibit on pottery right now. It's Pueblo Pottery. Um, and another exhibit called Indians in the Arts. Uh, it's focusing on modern art and American Indians creating that, not just uh, paintings or sculpture, but also in theater, music, uh, all, all different aspects of art. You're listening to Issues 2017 on the Intercom radio stations, and our guest is Sarah Adams, Museum Director, Mid-America All-Indian Center. Sarah, how, where do you get your funding? How, who pays the bills on this? We are a nonprofit, so we have to earn our own money. Uh, the staff, luckily, is um, we are city employees, so we, we get that taken care of. But outside of that, um, we try to get grants as much as we can, um, and we sometimes are lucky where we can get some funding um, from grants for for different events that we have throughout the year. Uh, but for the most part, we have to make it through gift shop, sales, museum, uh, admission, and um, special event rentals. So we have a lot of people rent for weddings and things like that. Oh, I, I didn't even think about that, but do you do some of that stuff? Though? Oh, yeah, okay. we do. Um, people can rent the space uh basically any day of the week except we don't do Wednesdays because we have community night every Wednesday uh, where people can just come and practice drumming or dancing. Um, but otherwise than that, uh, we have a lot of weddings. We've even had luncheons come and rent the space as well. Uh, the Gallery of Nations is huge, so it's really good for larger weddings. Do you uh, do you take individual donations? We do. Um, we we are always accept- <laughs> we are always accepting donations. I have a lot of generous people uh, who who give in our little donation box we have in the shop. But of course, we're always accepting any sort of donation. Sure. Well, we want to talk about several events in the weeks ahead. Let's why don't you begin with the culture dash. 
Tell me yeah. about the tell me about the culture dash. So this is the fourth year we've done the culture dash. It's really fun. Uh, it's used to just be a five k, um, but this year we've expanded it to be a five k, ten k, and a one mile walk. Um, so there's a lot of different options for people. Uh, if you don't want to run, you can just do the walk. walk. Yeah, and everybody gets. Uh, you know, if they sign up, I think that time has actually passed. But we got a couple extra cert- shirts um, that you get a shirt with the image of our culture dash on it, which is basically the keeper um, with a kind of skeletal look to it, uh, with lightning uh, up, up above him. Okay. Kind of a Day of the Dead look, which. People wonder, oh, that's that's a Mexican thing. Actually, it's also an American Indian thing. Um, Southwest American Indian tribes also celebrate the Day of the Dead. Uh, so it's something that we kind of are bringing different cultures together in a healthy way um, to do this run. And uh, how about share our food? Tell me about share our share food. Share our food is one of my favorite because, as we've already talked about, I love uh, food. <laughs> so it's one of my favorites. Most of us do. I mean. <laughs> but share our food is really great. Um, it's it's a really kind of exclusive event. It's not very big. We don't sell a huge amount of tickets. But uh, you can come in and sample all sorts of traditional American Indian foods. Uh, we have all sorts of things like different uh, bean soups and squash and uh, we have uh, bison meat now that we do every year as well. And, of course, we always have to add in fry bread because everybody loves fry bread. Um, but it's a whole bunch of different foods like that, and we usually have a presentation as well. Um, I think Jack Oliver is actually going to be doing One of our uh, part of it. employees, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this uh, is so, on November 16th, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and that's a Thursday. Um, and I, I think this, we've done this one for a while as well, and it's always been really fun and really successful. Yeah, we're going to mention some things to do and see there at uh, the at the Mid America All Indian Center, and it might be a good time right now for us to put out a phone number. Oh, uh, if people would like to call by, you know, ring you up by phone and and tell us where the web page is too. Yeah, of course, uh, it's a. Uh, Three five zero three three four zero. What you don't call it very often? <laughs> I don't. I'm trying to think. I'm like, oh man, I do my own number a lot. That's the main line. Uh, three five zero three three four zero. And is. we have our website is theindiancenter.org. Okay. Uh, what is the Native Christmas exhibit and not yet a member event? <laughs> is that all one so event or is that two? It is. Events? It is. It's something we combined with a whole bunch of different things. Uh, it's happening on December 2nd, I believe, and uh, I'm opening this exhibit. We open every year um, with uh, different nativity se- uh, nativity sets that are American Indian. We have uh, decorations that we put on a, a Christmas tree uh, in our museum. And then we decided to combine it. We have a couple of classes that day, a clay ornament class, and I think the dream catcher ornament class is that day as well. One of the ornament classes is that day. I know we have two classes that day. And then we also have the not, not Yet a Member event to kind of give people a chance to see what their benefits would be if they became a member. Um, at a certain level of membership, you can get 10% off in the gift shop. So that day, everybody's going to get 10% off in the, discount, uh, in the gift shop. We're going to have samples in there of some of the foods that we have. We work with um, Bedre, which is a Chickasaw Nation chocolate company. And so we're going to have samples there for people to try of like, coffee. They have chocolate coffee, which is delicious. I've had it. And uh, people can come in and kind of experience that. We'll have uh, all sorts of discounts that day. You have uh, an annual uh, viewing of Indians in aviation. Tell me about that. Yeah, every year we do that. We started doing it, I believe last year was the first year we did it, um, surrounding Pearl Harbor Day, basically. 
and people can come in and watch that movie for free. That day, veterans and military get into the museum for free as well, um, so they can experience the museum. But it's a movie that we produced uh, at the Indian Center, and it's about how our community came to be here, basically, and a lot of that revolves around World War II. It was around that time um, that people were really heavily into the, you know, making aircraft. Uh, so um, it, it's a really special movie for our community, and we want a chance to be able to show that every year. You, you tell us about some, you've got some upcoming classes, Daisy Chain Bracelet. Yeah. One of your classes? This is a really fun beating class, uh, or some people would maybe say frustrating, but uh, once you get the hang of it, it's fun. And uh, you just, it looks like daisies, and it's a chain bracelet um, where you just keep beating a chain, and you can beat it. It can be a bracelet, but if you get really good at it, you can make necklaces out of it. Um, our education director actually is teaching that class. Uh, she's very crafty, so she's, she's teaching crafty, that class. She's crafty, huh? Yeah. How about beaded Christmas ornament? So that one is another beading class taught by our education director. Um, as you can tell, she's really good at beading. And uh, that one is basically <laughs> you you bead a design over a, a, a ball Christmas ornament. Oh, okay. And you have a clay Christmas ornament as well? Yes, that's the one... Uh, Sheila Basil is teaching that one, and she... I don't know too much about that class, actually, now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> How about Dreamcatcher? The Dreamcatcher ornament class uh, is... It's a miniature Dreamcatcher. I think it's maybe just a one-inch or two-inch uh, diameter Dreamcatcher. Um, they're very pretty. I've, I've seen them, uh, and they can be all sorts of fairy-looking colors. I, I presume there are many Native American meetings and celebrations through the year. Oh yeah, uh, we have long. we have a, a group that does a couple of powwows a year, the Warriors Society, and we have uh, all sorts of different uh, events to celebrate different times of year. So, and we again, just one more time, you have the facilities there where you can host other kinds of meetings, uh, reunions, do oh, yeah. weddings, anything like that. Oh yeah, uh, I we've had a lot of different things. We've had businesses come and have like their Christmas dinner at our building. So it, a lot of people have used it for different things, but it's, it works out. It's just a very versatile space. Do you need volunteers? Oh, always. <laughs> we could always yeah, use most, volunteers. Most people I talk to on this show say, yeah, we, we love volunteers. Well, coming up now that it's winter, we don't need as many gardening volunteers, well, but no. <laughs> that might be something to think of for the spring because we will need a lot of volunteers for gardening uh, once spring happens. Um, but in the winter... Tours kind of die down, but I'm always looking for tour docents. Um, harder okay. to find than people might believe. I'll bet. But uh, if people love uh, learning and teaching people about American Indians, um, both in a museum atmosphere, but also we have our outdoor learning center, and we have other areas of the museum, too. Uh, we even do a craft with the kids. Uh, so all sorts of different aspects. If anybody's interested in working with kids or even elder groups, um, that's a great opportunity for What's people. What's in the future for the center? A lot. <laughs> um, a lot. We're, we're uh, always doing new events um, and things like that. We have a new event coming up in the spring called, um, well, it's not exactly new. We did it this year as well, uh, Barbecue Bread and Brews. It's something that we added as a fundraiser. That sounds good. Oh, it is good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's something that we added as a fundraiser. We're always trying to get more um, funds and doing fundraisers. And we're always trying to reach out to other groups as well. For example, this year we were able to get uh, an a traveling exhibit from the National Museum of the American Indian, uh, one of the Smithsonian museums. Good. Uh, so reaching out to a lot of places like that and trying to work with them has been really nice, and we're hoping to do a lot more of that in the future and expand what we can offer people. How did you get this job? I was very lucky. Um, <laughs> I, I have a degree in museum studies oh, uh, that I got. In, I think I remember you telling me that. I think that. I got in third 
2013. And where did um, you get that degree? University of Kansas. Oh, all right. <laughs> I am a Jayhawk through and through. Sorry to okay. all the uh, Woo Shock fans. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> um, but then uh, I got a job out in in New Mexico um, and really established that I liked working with American Indian things out there. This job opened up. It was a perfect opportunity, and it's a great staff. It's we we're only three full time, one part time staff, but uh, it's a great staff to work with. I feel so lucky. Yeah, New Mexico. There are a lot of a uh, lot of great Indian history and heritage out there. Oh right yeah, now. it's awesome. A lot of things <laughs> going on out there. Well, listen, man. Thank you for uh, spending some time with us. And again, if you would like more information, you can go to the website, which is theindiancenter.org, and you can find out more about uh, one of our treasures here in Wichita, the Mid America All Indian Center. And again, thank you for your time, Sarah, spending a little time with us and telling us more about what you do at the uh, museum. Our guest, Sarah Adams, Museum Director, Mid America All Indian Center. And that's all for this edition of Issues 2017. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.